Not that there's anybody here yet, but as soon as there is, they will probably notice if it's just me talking at myselfish. So, eh, eh. I mean, it wouldn't. It. I was gonna say it would be par for the course, but still, people might notice. I mean, like a whole episode uh, that I've heard from myself that's like that. Would just be funny if there were like natural pauses. Fifty-five minutes. I don't know if there was like natural, like conversational pauses. That would be funny. So. There is not. But anyway, but you know where there's not a conversational pause? This week's episode. As Excellent. I pause conversationally. <laughs> Welcome back to the Black Tower Podcast. We are a Wheel of Time podcast talking anything and everything Wheel of Time from the top to the bottom to the left to the right. And don't ask how that makes sense considering it's a Wheel of Time with no sides, endings, tops, or bottoms. Though there are tops or bottoms in the Wheel of Time, the Wheel of Time has no tops or bottoms. No, actually, I think the Wheel of Time is full of tops, bottoms, and switches. That's what I'm saying. They're in the Wheel of Time, (laughs) but the Wheel of Time doesn't have. Yeah, doesn't really work. Uh, I, I kind of dug myself in a hole there. No, I like it. I I actually really like that. We all know that uh, Swan Sanche top. Oh, okay. Perrin, I borrow with the exception bottom. of of when they're with one person. Then they're in that circumstance. I think that they they'd be a bottom with one person, at least. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's Moraine who yeah. says the line. That's right. I've I was forgetting yeah. the scene. For a second, yeah, I mean, to be fair, they do both say the line just in very, yeah, very yeah, yeah. different contexts. Yes, exactly. One is very much <laughs> "I'm your boss," and the other one is "I'm your boss." Yes, exactly. But anyway, uh, good times. <laughs> I don't remember what spoiler warning I picked for this episode. Let me blind oh, myself looking and seeing. It's the Mimor Shadi one. Oh, yeah. But before we get to that. Uh, hi everybody. I am your Amin Khan Mahale here at the Black Tower for the podcast and for the training and for the you know war councils. Uh, my name is Daniel. I'm coming at I'm you here. from the West Coast. <laughs> I mean, there was like rarely a time you weren't. <laughs> I correct. <laughs> You're just a little closer to the cold. Indeed. And the Canadian. Yes. I've met so many Canadians in my work now. They come down to Cheesecake Factory from British Columbia and Vancouver. Mm. It's great. It's fun. Not surprised. I mean, it's like the the same. Well, I mean, you get the same kind of thing when like uh, when you're like in like southern Texas and like Arizona, that kind of place. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Really, really good food. Anyway, oh, yeah. um, I'm your Bajan Mahil, uh, Andrew, and our Sorbon Mahil is off with the Atha on Mier. Um, Correct. Just splishy splashing around. 
Blessed flash, I was taking a bath all about the where, a cruise ship. The where he's going for the sake of not shattering or cutting any glass. I hope he's wearing a shirt. Because it's going to be cold. <laughs> Indeed, he's going to the Arctic of the ant variety. Just take him to like the tiniest ice cube they can find floating. <laughs> <laughs> it is the Antarctic. Did you not see the hyphen in the name? Like, indeed. Oh, he's such a legend. In anyway. fact, it is. It is really cool, though. He did tell us last week that this will be the seventh continent for his daughters. So they will have been to all of the continents uh, at this at the at the end of this cruise, which is cool. I think that's a very fun thing to do. I was trying to pick the best name to say about what tonight's topic was in the live chat. Uh, Mm -hmm. Not to push us into the topic right now, necessarily. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because I'm like, some of these names, like, and I think I actually, I think I picked, I picked the middle spoiler one. I think I went with the the mid option. Yes. Because one name is like, oh, okay, yeah, I know who that guy is, uh, but it's not necessarily a spoiler. The other one is like, I've never heard that name in my life until everything yep. is spoiled. Yeah, exactly. But that does mean that we are going to get spoilery tonight. But before we go ahead and slap on that protection and make sure that all of you don't get spoiled and sad and have to walk away and all of that good stuff... We want to let you know about a couple of things. And by a couple of things, I mean things that you probably already know about. We're probably not giving you super new information, but it's always nice my to favorite remind. Beard hair. I just hope that you know. This is my favorite. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, we stay on topic. How'd you know? No, but uh, we definitely want you guys to go check out blacktowerpod.com. Right? It's not Black Tower Podcast, right? No, it's just Black Tower Pod. Excellent. We were trying to save everybody some time, and so we cut out the cast. The four letters, yeah. Indeed. Um, Yes, so I uh, highly recommend go to blacktowerpod.com. It's a very fun place to get all of the information about us that you need, as well as a number of different things about the community of the Wheel of Time. Uh, whether that is comments from other content creators or links to other places where you can find content creators or things like that, uh, as well as, uh, you know, the last five episodes that we have up um, and different things that we have coming up, a calendar for uh, recording as well as events uh, and also the links to our merch shops which there are two but today we're going to talk about new creations by jen uh she's doing great work over there for the wheel of time content creators and the community in general um she was actually at watcon uh, if you got a chance to meet jen by going to watcon uh she's a very nice person and we very much enjoy the work that she does uh and the products that she creates which have been very fun for us so go check out our 
uh, Two Rivers Sniper shot glasses, for example. Um, those are exclusive to New Creations by Jen, as well as the Frosty Mug Society for another example. Um, but yeah, definitely go check that out uh, and then go check out all of the other content creator stuff that you're interested in uh, or start your next reread of Wheel of Time if you have some extra time, all of that good stuff. But now, as mentioned earlier, we are going to get real spoilery for this episode because we are going to be talking about a person who uh, is definitely a bit of an enigma and by the time that you find out who they actually are, you are definitely pretty far in the books and you will want to walk away now to avoid getting too much information if you are not pretty far in the book series. So go ahead and savor your reread or savor your first read. Um, if you're on a reread, then you're you're good to go here. If you are on a first read go away unless you are pretty sure that you're not going to get upset when we spoil a kind of major character uh, that you don't want to know about yet or pieces of a major character I should say don't mind me because as soon as you mentioned the playlist I was like I wonder if the playlist is up to date spoiler warning yeah. wasn't <laughs> well speaking well, of spoiler warning then. you want to go ahead speaking and play of the spoiler warning uh it's this one welcome to the black tower a wheel of time podcast all right let's check this one <sighs> this podcast episode will likely be spoiling all the books in the series but if daniel is in charge of the recording it'll never hit the editing bay so just in case you're some masochist patreon supporter who hasn't read the whole series and just gets off on being part of lost episodes how about you put that spoiler condom all the way on can I just say it's now actually currently it's not a lost episode. It just hasn't gone up yet. It definitely will. But the three episodes that I was in charge of going ahead and recording for one of them has made it up. <laughs> that is not a very good record. So Morshadi, you're still pretty accurate and it hurts me on the inside. <laughs> but, but you also have a massive advantage to altering that percentage because it's still a low number, right? Correct. So yeah. now, so now is I... the time to turn that F into an A. Yes. Well, it'll or... still not be an A. The best I can actually do right now is a D, which is not very good. But uh, I mean, it's, over, over again, time. it's a real bad F to a solid D. It'll go from 33% to 66. The only what I tell uh, the girl from before she comes over, like, uh, it's, it's a pretty solid D, but it's going to be a really bad F. Oh, so you know. F for effort. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So now that you F guys have all... Hell yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Right. So now that you all anyway. have been uh, made safe from the spoilers and everyone uh, who has not... Always practice safe wheel of timing. Indeed. And everyone who has not gotten to these parts has been uh, successfully sent away um, until such a time that they do read enough into the book so that they aren't spoiled by this episode. Tonight, we are going back to the series that we have going that is the background breakdowns. 
Uh, now, as eagle-eyed viewers will be able to tell you, we actually have a couple of these series going on in some ways. They're all definitely background breakdown uh, series, but there are a few different sort of like subcategories within them. Um, we have basically like background breakdown, good characters, background breakdown, bad characters, and background breakdown Forsaken, which is kind of just bad characters, but they're like almost as upset of themselves. So, or of their own, because they like- yeah, How many how many different series do we have going on? Because we got the, the background breakdown and it's three subsets. Yeah. When we feel like it, we have uh, the cultural breakdown. Correct. Um, we have- uh, what I think is mine and every, yeah, we do have those. Yeah. Oh, did we finish that? I think we finished the Asha no. right now. No, we still have white. Oh, shit. Oh, and shit. black. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, we yeah, should so probably we finish that. We but, already uh, have it on the schedule. We will get to can them. You, can you tell that at least one member of Black Tower Podcast has ADHD? At least one? Yes. It's not me. Uh, right. I'm just not. dumb. <laughs> no I'm just spastic and dumb <laughs> but in like a lovable way indeed yeah no we have, have, we have a number beard. of different background breakdowns or or just breakdowns in general which makes sense i mean there's a lot to unpack in the wheel of time and so definitely going over the different areas where we can break down nations and religions and uh different factions and people and places and things you know it definitely makes yeah. a lot of sense i mean we had a whole bunch of notes for episodes coming up for like uh like inspirations like whenever we did like the possible religious inspirations for the wheel of time mm-hmm. but then this like guy with a mustache just kind of swooped in took the notes and said you know you snooze you lose like, <laughs> that's that's <laughs> definitely that's definitely accurate and not uh, a tall tale at all yeah at all. no definitely don't sue us michael um <laughs> so yeah like like daniel was saying uh we're gonna do another background breakdown and this has been this is one of those characters that uh at face value like when you first meet uh when you first meet this character you're just like okay it's another pompous asshole um and the character really develops like very quickly um and just kind of like occupies a space in your mind and just whenever you think like okay we've got the character figured out we kind of know what's going on uh we learn even more um about this character and this character yeah uh as we meet him first is none other than i think we meet him first we meet him first as yes. lord luke, luke. Yeah. correct l-u-c yes um and there's not really a whole lot like he never really says like where he's a lord from what he's the lord of other than bullshit and assholery um and he's basically showed uh shown up in the power vacuum that's been left in amon's field uh, in the two rivers in general as well after uh pretty much in the aftermath of the white cloaks arriving uh, the Trollocs uh, still running raids in the area, and Amonsfield kind of becoming the de facto capital of the Two Rivers area, um, becoming like this bastion of defense. Or am I? That's the second time that we meet him. 
uh, the, the very line? first time that we meet him is actually when uh, Perrin runs into him right before he meets Gaul. Because Lord Luke is actually the one who is leading the, or who has led the group of of people, um, or of like uh, hunters of the horn, who fight off a horde of Aiel and take one captive. And so Gaul is the uh, the Aiel that they have taken captive, and who's in a cage outside of the uh, the town or the like bar or whatever when Perrin uh, and uh, I want to say is it um what's his name um is it is it Perrin and uh loyal who are there no it's on the it's it's actually well it's Perrin and a number of people oh, loyal Perrin... is loyal is there because this is whatever yes. they're doing the whole like whenever Fiel is playing her game with no, it's before that. This is actually on their trip from uh, the... This is them following Rand in the Dragon Reborn. Okay, because I, I remember like... Yeah. Uh, like they're, they're, they're camping separately, and every time I see them camping separately, and Loyal's a part of it with Fael's group, I yes. always think it's still part of the same like uh, bullshitty thing. Um, yes. So I was wrong on two fronts. Not only was that not the first time they meet this character, they also technically haven't met lord luke yet he meets or runs into slayer that is correct yes he actually is the runs same, into slayer the same character, in the world of dreams but he doesn't know anything about him it's like when they talk about slayer in the world of dreams it's like perrin keeps catching like after images of slayer yeah. for a while in the world of dreams and that is absolutely correct in the eye of the world is the first time that slayer is mentioned where perrin or no 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 it's uh it is the great hunt that they that he st first starts seeing slayer the eye of the world is actually when we get the first mention of lord luke because luke is uh Luke Mantier and it's Tigraine's brother. Yeah. And that's the first time that we hear him mentioned because we they talk about Tigraine's family tree. Uh he, he, he yeah. is and he isn't. It's it's he, correct. I think, I think we'll yeah. we'll get there. Yeah. Um because so basically Perrin catches a glimpse of Slayer. Yes. Um whenever he's in the two rivers in the wolf green like yep. he's not physically in the in the two rivers but he is in the wolf green and the guy flees and Perrin chases after him for a while and then mm -hmm. uh, but slayer is called... basically more knowledgeable and so he keeps one step oh, yeah. ahead of Perrin. yeah um and eventually even though hopper didn't answer whenever Perrin called earlier hopper does show up and is basically like stop do you know who the fuck you're chasing like that's slayer he's dangerous and then uh it's right after that that a woman appears and she's like this is the tower of genji that you're at they stop yeah. by this big metallic tower where uh slayer <laughs> disappears 
And she's like, this place is dangerous. You like shouldn't be here. Um, and basically, this is one of the instances where we see uh, a hero of the horn. This case, uh, by description, very clearly, Brigitte with the uh, the golden hair and a thick braid, a flash of silver at her back. That's the silver bow. Um, and she's like, this is another thing that tells us that, uh, that Wolf Brothers are are, are have happened uh, with some relative frequency because uh, Brigitte is like, oh, you're a Wolf Brother. That's how you're fucking here because it doesn't make sense otherwise. Yeah. Um, but. Um, Sorry, I got distracted. I think I'm lying, by the way. I think I'm actually wrong. I'm really glad that more, sh- or I'm I'm really sad that more shoddy isn't actually, uh, listening. Yeah, at least not listening live. It's okay. He's probably somewhere. Yeah. Else so I fucked up. I fucked up totally. The first time that he meets Lord Luke is 100% what you were talking about. You are absolutely correct. I apologize for correcting you because I just have my story totally mixed up. Uh, I mean, it was a good correction because is... we should talk about Slayer first since he meets Slayer first. Kind sure, of. but the in the real world, I had it totally wrong. I very much apologize to anybody listening. Uh, and if you've been yelling at your screen for the last few minutes because I'm just super wrong, you're totally correct. The name of the Lord that Perrin runs into that actually captured Gaul is Lord Orban. Not even remotely Lord Luke. Uh, he's just a shitty person uh, and is not Slayer or Lord Luke. Totally different people. The first time that he meets Lord Luke is absolutely after he's done the whole thing with Fael. Uh, mm. They've made it back to the two rivers uh, and they are um, Lord Luke gives like these weird stories of like what he's been doing in the two rivers and why he's there. But the first time that he meets him is Lord Luke and his entourage are coming into the two rivers from outside of the two rivers basically like telling stories of the Trollocs that they've killed. And that's one of the reasons yeah. that I get the two mixed up because the stories that Lord Luke tells about all the Trollocs that they've killed sounds a lot like the stories that Lord Orban tells about the Aiel they've killed. And that's why I always forget that the two aren't the same person because they're mm-hmm. both hunters for the horn and they both start telling tales about like Trollocs and Aiel that they've killed and they sound very similar, but I apologize. You are absolutely oh, correct. Good. Lord Luke shows up in the shadow rising after Perrin has gone to the two rivers. Uh, it is before then that he meets Slayer in the world of dreams. That is also correct, but Lord Luke doesn't show up physically in the real world until Shadow Rising in the Two Rivers doing exactly what you said. So I apologize for that tangent. No, you're fine. <laughs> um, I mean, because we're still in the we're still in the same <laughs> book, right? Because the the run in with Slayer in the Wolf Dream or Alaron Rion, if you didn't already know those were the same mm-hmm. thing, is yeah. Shadow Rising chapter twenty eight. That um, is correct. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's a really good chapter. And, and this is one of the reasons why, even though it's not my favorite book, I definitely understand why The Shadow Rising is so many people's favorite book. Because um, you just get so much information about the world uh, in this book, for sure. 
And this chapter is just a good example. I mean, we've met Slayer. Uh, we learn more, a ton more about what's going on in the two rivers. We learn a ton more about what it's like to be a wolf in the wolf dream. We meet Brigida. We see that Brigida will break rules. Um, that, and then we learn that there even are rules and that, oh, wait, the heroes <laughs> of the horn actually fucking live here. Um, yeah, it's a fucking jam packed uh chapter, anyway. We got to focus in on on yes. old Slayer. Uh, so yes. Slayer disappears into the Tower of Genji in uh Teleron Riyadh, uh, which, given that even entering it itself seems to be a different dimension, could be as legitimate of a way of entering in the flesh as anywhere else. Um, it would make true. sense to an extent. Now, what the fuck did he do there? Who the hell knows? It's Slayer. Um, I mean, but, so little uh, is actually known about Slayer that, like, I, he's multiple people in one body, yeah. basically. And so, on some level, how many actual people is he in that same body? He might just be a fucking alefin, like, also running around in the same body. Um, but speaking uh, of him, so talking about him in Teleron Riyadh. Mm-hmm. Um, we learn that in Telronrad, uh, your appearance is affected severely by how you view yourself. Oh, absolutely. and Slayer, Lord Luke, whatever, in Telronrad looks the same as he does in real life, with the exception of his real world blue eyes or waking world blue eyes appear black in Telronrad. Yes. Um, and of course, Perrin comments that his scent smells inhuman, like a man mixed with a stone. Uh, which makes sense as we learn more about Lord Luke later on. Yes. Um, but let's talk about a little bit of his history because we do know some of where Lord Luke slash Slayer uh, came from. Uh, he is Malkiri, um, at least in uh, blood and flesh. He is Malkiri. Um, yes. So because he this was is actually. To... Sorry, this is a, a, a just a, a really quick thing that I want to throw in. In Teleran Riyadh, he actually looks like Isam, except for the blue eyes. He doesn't look like Lord Luke outside of Teleran Riyadh, which is why when Perrin catches glimpse of him, glimpses of him in Teleran Riyadh, he doesn't then immediately recognize him in the real world because, of course, he meets Isam in Teleran Riyadh and then meets Lord Luke in the real world. And those two people look different because in Teleran Riyadh he is Isam and in right. uh the real the waking world he is Lord Luke and so when Perrin runs into him outside of Teleran Riyadh that's one of the reasons we don't know that this person is this person because we're seeing Perrin's POVs mm-hmm. and they're they look like two totally different people even though they are one entity. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm gonna amend what I said earlier. Uh he I'm gonna say he is neither uh Malkiri nor well he very well probably is Andoran and blood, but not the man tier uh bloodline yes. that we're thinking of. <laughs> um so let's let's go ahead and like we've talked about it enough and everything. For those of you that don't know, uh the entity known as Slayer or Luke or Esom or whatever is actually a body with the merging of two different souls. Um, he is the merging of the soul of Isam Mandragoran, obviously related to the land, and that's As where he gets his Malkyriness from. Yeah, um, and the a mix of Lord Luke 
uh, or not Lord Luke, sorry, Luke Mantier, uh, which I would carry a Lord title. Uh, Correct. In reality. Yes, he would be Luke, like Daniel Lord said earlier. Luke Mantier. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, uh, like Daniel said earlier, that is the brother of Tigraine. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, these souls have been uh, grabbed and merged together by uh, the Dark One, by the Shadow, um, and put into this body known as uh, Slayer, if we're going to give a name to like the mix, uh, the mix of the two souls. Yep. Um, so there's more to that. Uh, so when Malkir was overrun by Trollocs, uh, Isam Mandragoran was one of the few to escape. His mother, uh, Brayon Mandragoran, uh, fled with him into the Blight, uh, and, but they were attacked by Trollocs then. Brayon did not survive. Isam did and grew up in a place known simply as the town. Uh, mm-hmm. The town is a tiny urban center in, uh, in the Blight. It's not far from the valley of Thakandar, um, and is kind of at the foothill area of Shaogul. So it's very, mm-hmm. very close to the board. Um, well, it's if you've ever watched, um, uh, is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon? Which is an mm-hmm. anime, which is why the title is like kind of fucking long weird. and weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's one of the floors in the dungeon that they get to, and it's considered a safe, a safe space. Um, where there's like not monsters. I don't mean like, hey, nobody's going to hurt your feelings here. There's no yeah. monsters. <laughs> um, or the monsters are all peaceful. And there's housing and hotels and stuff there, but it's all ramshackle stuff. It's all scrap boards and everything put together. Goods are stupid expensive because you got to go 18 floors back up to get anything else. Um, so it's kind of like that. Uh, it is a town inhabited mainly by dark friends. Um yeah, it's a really good anime. I recommend watching it. It's only a little no, bit no. of an answer. I was going to say, sorry, I've always actually viewed it as more of like a farm mm-hmm. in some ways, like not a safe floor, but like if I were a dark friend, if I were, or not a, not a dark friend, actually, if I were a murderer or someone who actually lived in Thakandar, some very evil entity, I would actually want a center in the blight that seemed safe so that I could go and take souls from it whenever I needed to uh, and just like take some and leave enough that more people would come there and more, you know, people would reproduce and things like that but there are a number of uses for people and souls in Thakandar that I would probably use the town as like oh yeah it's a safe place I only take you know like a couple of people a week or whatever from you know the town and use them to forge you know murder all blades in Thakandar uh, and that means so, that I don't actually have to go all the way outside of the blight to get souls. I feel like that would be brilliant for like a Merdral to pretend that the town was actually safe. Yeah. Um, so your your original impression is right. So let me clarify what I meant by it. the example I gave is in the in the anime, the town itself is constructed out of ramshackle yes. parts. It's like it's Sorry, like building correct. a town out of out of driftwood or something like that mm-hmm. um the town in the blight is not safe a safe haven at all not mm-hmm. not anything like the anime 
it is very much okay. uh, full of the very the very creatures you were talking about. Um, yeah. Uh, it's full mm-hmm. of dark friends and the numbers, numerous people that uh, ha- that they have enslaved. Yeah. Um, in fact, this town has been there as a ramshackle town uh, built with forced labor for uh, two thousand years or over two thousand years. Mm-hmm. So it, it's older than a lot of like towns in the Westland. Oh yeah. Um, so it's inhabited by dark friends. It's would seem like a very dangerous place for the laws of forest fear and crime rule. Um, think. Your standard D and D, nothing's really good here. Town, um, with like poor it's construction. Like basically, underdark, like in some ways. Ah, yeah, very much so. Um, now there is a hierarchy here, um, and the rules of dark friends do apply to that uh, rule of hierarchy. Um, and the town itself seems to follow some of the same rules that Shao Ghoul does. For example, uh, here. Channeling can just be restricted to any to only the people that uh, Shaitan allows. So mm-hmm. just because you can channel enter there doesn't mean you can actually channel. Yep. Um, so uh, we find out that Slayer, Isam, whatever, uh, grew up, obviously grew up here. Um, and this became his base camp. This is where Slayer bases all of his activities out of. Yeah. Um, when he's in the waking world, yeah, at least. Yeah. Um, and we kind of find out through Slayer that this town also contains a lot of the Sama Nase, uh, which are going to be those IL male Chandlers uh, and individuals that are sent to spit in Sightblinder's eye and actually just wind up making it there and getting turned to the, mm-hmm. to the shadow for the most part. Um, so in reality, like that action, uh, yet another example of how just throwing away an entire half of Channer, of Chandler populace um, well, doesn't help anybody. I mean, even worse than that. Like it's it's one of the best examples of not only are you throwing away a resource, an advantage, a thing that you have that again, very dangerous. I'm not trying to suggest that male channelers are not dangerous because that is abundantly clear throughout the books. But it's not only just throwing them away, it's actively handing them over to be an advantage to your enemy. Yeah. Again, no one I mean, knows the, that, but still, it is definitely true. Yeah, because the thought is none of them come back because they all die. Is yes. is pretty much what the IL choose to believe or settle on or yes. whatever. Um, you would think you would actually go and investigate, maybe I don't know, once, once, maybe twice. <laughs> um, but then again, whoever went to investigate might have just gotten uh, grabbed and, or killed as well. I mean, um, yeah. Because there's no lack of talent and skill in the town. Um, yeah. But uh, I think it, it winds up being told that it's reasonable to assume that all the Aes Sedai that have been turned um, along the millennia have probably been kept hidden in the town as well. Yes. Um, and the, the Forsaken visit the town from time to time as needed, whatever that need is. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, with Slayer. Uh, so it's here that with him fighting to survive in the town, surrounded by uh, the the Sama Nase and the Murdral, that it, it becomes abundantly clear why Slayer is as skilled uh, in combat as he is. Um, he literally grew up fighting and learning to fight and not just fight you know 
the random thugs in, in town and like Karian or Camelin or anywhere. He's fighting the best of the best. Like, uh, what what is it like a single Merdral is said to be as strong as like a hundred swordsmen or a hundred foot soldiers or something like something like that? Like I forgot what the equivalency that uh that they kind of explain Merdral with. Um or is it that a single IL warrior is worth a hundred men or something like that? Why can I not remember it? Sorry, say that one more time. I I feel um, like I missed part of that because I No, you're fine. Um, so kind of like the book gives us relative examples of like how to think about the strength of the IEL and the merge all. So like oh you know, yeah like, oh having having one merge all is like having you know seven skilled swordsmen or something like that yeah I I can't remember what the actual comparison was oh yeah no I I don't remember either well or maybe it is with like with merge all there's like even a merge all gives a skilled blade master a challenge um I mean like, that is I mean, definitely we often That's worn out so yeah <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we see that all the time. Like, oh, if we give even a skilled blade master a challenge, blade master shows up, immediately kills him like it's nothing. It's like, I don't think you got your power scaling right here. Yeah, um, but I mean, again, it's also a question of uh, what what blade masters are you looking at? Because Lan is like one of the most, yeah, right. Or because like blade Lan is one of the most skilled blade masters in existence um rand can also channel so like <laughs> you're talking about a couple of bad examples of sort of even skilled sword ma- uh, blade masters but yeah you know one thing <laughs> I, I just realized uh, about the description of merge is it's me it's mentioned their fingernails are hard enough to scratch wood well big whoop so is fucking mine <laughs> Uh, it reminds uh, like me I'm, of the scene uh, in uh, yeah no it reminds me of the scene in um x-men origins wolverine which is not a great movie but whatever um where Sabretooth walks up to uh the chick's car and sticks his fingernails in and then just oh i know what you're talking across. about yeah well, and that was always really funny to me in a lot of ways because, of course, okay, so tangent for just a moment because we are the well, Black that's perfect because I need a refill. So. Yeah, there you go. Um, that's not how things work. Uh, the sharpness of something does matter, absolutely, and the hardness of something does matter, absolutely. And so, again, if you have something that is, like, you know, all the way sharpened down to the atom, yes, you're going to be able to cut through things easier. Um, And if you actually have a metal that is nigh-on indestructible, like adamantium or something like that, it is easier to cut through something. But that doesn't actually mean that you can just cut through anything like butter. And so there's that scene in both uh, X-Men 2 and in X-Men Origins Wolverine, where Wolverine just shoves his claws through pure concrete that's like a foot thick. And then just cuts through it like it's nothing. And you're like, that's not how 
physics were. <laughs> you would absolutely still have to cut, like, absolutely, it would be so hard to cut through concrete, even with your adamantium claws. Like, he doesn't even break a sweat. Like, it's cutting through butter in the movie. And you're like, that's not, that's not how that works. He would break a sweat cutting through that. He would absolutely not cut through it as easy as you just made it look. That's some bullshit. <laughs> and it's the same oh, thing yeah. with Sabretooth and his bone claws. Like, again, yeah, he might be able to get them in there and then drag them across. But, like, he does it so easily and the metal on the hood of the car just, like, bends back immediately. And you're like, again, not... Well, those are all, like, curl up, like... Yeah, no. Curl up, like, ribbon at Christmas. Yeah, I know the scene you're talking about because it's um uh, oh because yeah it's it's whenever freaking Logan gets uh he slams the tree in front of the uh the pickup truck or the little SUV that Logan owns because no. she's hiding in the back. Nope. Well he does it then too. No, no, no. Comes up so to that's, the car, that's in a different movie. Oh. This is uh Liv Schreiber Sabretooth is waiting uh, in front of Logan's girlfriend's car. And so she stops the car and he walks up along it and then just like I know what you're talking about. And then he abducts and kills her. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because you did say origins, didn't you? Yeah, it's origins, not Logan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the one I was thinking about is uh, just the first X-Men movie. Whenever Rogue meets Logan. Rogue. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. um, Anyway. Tangent over. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Absolutely right. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Murdral, uh, in comparison to the average fighter, not the land scope fighter, not the fighters that we wound up remembering the names of because they're actually special characters. Yes. Um, Murdral are stupid strong. Like, you put yeah. them in front of like a squad to two squads to maybe even a platoon of foot soldiers with blades. And the Murdral is just going to be like, huh, light work. Um. And even I would, I think, more capable than the Murdral, the Aiel. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Aiel Murdral have all kinds of benefits. Like they have all kinds of innate. Like uh, if you play D anD D, I guess well now they have racial bonuses. species. Yeah, I was going to go with species since you know. Sure. Absolutely, every change that D anD D is making right now is absolutely wonderful, and the OGL is definitely not flawed and terrible and destroying the industry. Uh, it's anyway. a good thing that we already have a bunch of books out so you don't have to worry about technically getting new books because that's a little uh that's a little suspect right now hey hasbro if you're gaming license can open please game stop. on these nuts please please yeah stop. you know what's you know what's so terrible so another tangent here uh right after the last tangent that's fine so i i'm not gonna say that i called this but i definitely called it whenever whenever hasbro bought D and D Beyond. Mm-hmm. The my first like some people were like, oh okay, yeah, that's cool, whatever. You know, now it's like full on with you know the regular ownership. I'm like, no, this is terrible. I was like, this means that all they have to do is if it doesn't already exist, put in a disclaimer to say that all content you add here is this property. Uh, it becomes the sole property of Hasbro or Wizards yeah. of the Coast. It doesn't matter. I was like, and then they they own it all. You don't own like your homebrew content anymore. And there's so much homebrew content on D&D Beyond that oh, they could yeah. literally 
fire every creative like writer that they have for D&D and still release new books every three months for probably the next 50 years. Oh, yeah. No problem. And it's already balanced. Yep. Like, it is absolutely ridiculous. I was like, this is going to be the worst thing ever. You don't let a big corporation buy something that people use for free. Yeah. Or at least can use for free. Like, oh, it's, it's so bad. And now you got fucking the OGL 1.1 coming out uh, or leaked draft or whatever. Yeah. Um, well, we'll uh, see. Because again, I mean, the nice thing is that the backlash on this has been pretty heavy. Um, but at the same time, we all all know that backlash does not equal results. It's oh. only companies that actually care about backlash and what it'll do to them or whether they actually are convinced that it will do anything to them that backlash matters. Because if they oh. just power through it, then the the fans' opinions don't matter on some levels. Yeah. But... I mean, and they, they have it to do it. I mean, like... Dungeons and Dragons is the best-selling TTRPG ever. Um, Correct. Absolutely. There's there's not even there's not even a competition. Not even mm-hmm. close. Uh, Pathfinder I, 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 is like D and D essentially this, made. Well, Pathfinder the TTRPG is the closest scene. second, and it's way down front. Like I mean, it's hugely. I mean, there's a huge margin between those two. Yeah. So, like historically, they've made a ton. Uh, of money uh, off of D&D. And a lot of what they were still making uh, for D&D was like usage agreement. And the fees that you would have to pay, like if you wanted to write an adventure and have it added to official D&D 5e Adventures League, you had to pay an absorbent fee to get Wizards of the Coast to review it. If you've ever played more than two of them, you can tell they don't review shit. A simple spell check would fix like 80% of the problem. It's so fucking bad. <laughs> like you're gonna charge people at the ass and not even do anything to make it better. Holy shit. Ah. But right now it's it's not even like one of their main, not even close to their main money makers. Um no. roll like magically gathering is their main money maker. Which one? Because roll 20 has to spend so much money paid to Hasbro oh. to be able to host all of the different you know D resources on their site mm-hmm. so that people can then go ahead and pay roll 20 to use the D resource well i was just talking about wizards of the coast which is obviously owned by hasbro yeah. um that D isn't even their biggest money maker nope magic it's, it's absolutely mtg which yeah. <laughs> there's people leaving mtg in droves because um whether you agree or not there's people that are like Oh, this these like abundant crossovers are getting a little ridiculous. Yeah, uh, and there's people that are perfectly fine with it. Personally, I don't care. I actually yeah. haven't picked up and played Magic in too long. My commander decks that I have built are just lonely. Anyway, um, yeah, someone who's not lonely, Slayer, because um, he slays mostly because he's never alone. I mean, that's true. Um, but so interesting fact: if you do go to the Slayer. Um, entry for the what.fandom.com, which you know we're mm-hmm. a big fan of what.fandom.com. Uh, and you click on the Slayer page, like, okay, cool, here's this stuff on, on Slayer, and you scroll down and suddenly it becomes Luke Mantier. So it's a good thing that the very first thing they do in the whole article is tell you, like, it's actually a combo of two souls, yes. Um, 
Well, and so you actually get both of the souls right off the bat. Because as you said, you go to Slayer, it says Slayer, and then it gives you Esam, and then it gives you Luke. Because Slayer is basically just an amalgamation oh, of both of those two souls in one body. Now, in the waking which, world, which it one looks dies like Luke. whenever Slayer goes for the soul stone? Like, is this a soul for a soul? Does it count as one soul because they've been merged together, like, fusion style? No, I think they lose Luke. I think Luke is actually the secondary one. Because, again, one of the... the, That's a really good question, though. I actually really like that, of, like, sort of which one is the the dominant... Let us know in the comments down below. Yes, definitely do that. Um, But I think, even though it's a larger entry on you know, watch.fandom.com. Uh, I honestly feel like Esam is the soul it think like that Slayer thinks he is. Uh, in Teleran Riyadh, he is Esam. And so I think Slayer thinks that Esam is the, is the dominant and then, of course, it's just stuck in Lord Luke's body, which is why in the waking world it looks like Luke. But I think that it's actually very telling that in Teleran Riyadh, where the way that you perceive yourself is the way you are, I think it's very telling that Isam is Slayer in Teleran Riyadh. Oh my god, I didn't know this. Which part? Uh, who's at fault for Luke even being in the blight? <laughs> Guitara, like yeah, I did not dick. know this at all. Fucking <laughs> Guitar Moroso. But yeah, so for the same guitar that was like Guitara... he has been reborn. Blech. Well, so again, this is Guitara who basically. So for those of you who don't know, Guitara Moroso was the advisor in Andor when Tigrain Mantir uh and her brother Luke Mantir were the royal family. Uh, Tigrain was queen. No, the queen was a more Drellin man here. I only know because I'm looking at the entry. Or was, or did Tigrain change her name from more Drellin to no? No, I think that was their mom, right? I believe it was the mom because they were definitely high seat of house, uh, man. Oh, yeah, she reigned. Okay. So her um, death without a direct heir because Tigrain and them fucked off is what triggered the third succession war, which allowed that's correct. The, um, yeah, sorry. The 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 fucking um because Tigrain uh, was never gays to take over. Indeed, because Tigrain was never actually queen. That's absolutely correct. She was daughter heir under Mordrelin, and her brother was first prince of the sword. That more like Mordrelin, you know, good <laughs> good handiwork. All right, Carpenter. She built a kingdom. Um, but yeah, together. so Mordrelin is queen. Guitara Moroso is the advisor to the queen, Mordrelin Mantir. Yeah. Mordrelin marries her daughter to Grain off to Damadred. Oh, Darwin. What? Darwin. 
No, 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 no. That's her husband in the blight, or not the blight, the waste. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Um, but it's uh, Jesus. What is his name? What is Galad's dad's name? I don't remember his first name. Uh, Terengale. So she marries her daughter oh. Tigrain off to Terengale Damadred. Uh, and she. Uh, gets in to grain gets information from Guitara Moroso that she needs to go abandon her family uh leave the leave and or entirely and go into the waste and become a maiden of the spear which she then does she meets Janduin after she gave birth to Luke because Luke is still no, Luke no, no, remains no, no, no. an and yeah he does no no Luke because... is her Luke is her brother not her son Galad is. Oh, oh, you're yes, right. You're right. She does have Galad, and then she fucks off to the waste. Correct. You're right. So Luke and Luke and Tigrain. It's all good, dude. There's so much. Oh, it's been a long fucking day. That's <laughs> yeah. gonna be my excuse. So Mordrellin is up here. She's the mom. Guitar yeah. Moroso is her advisor. Then down here, as the kids, you have Tigrain and Luke, and Guitar Moroso. The advisor to both of their their mom, who is queen, tells to Grand Mantir to fuck off to the waste and become a maiden, and Luke to fuck off to the blight to seek his glory. I think partially to make sure that he doesn't go after Tigrain. So Tigrain goes to the waste to go ahead and meet Janduin and get pregnant with Rit who is going to be the dragon reborn many years later. Luke goes off to the Blight to seek his glory, and in the process runs into Isam Mandragoran, and this weird, mysterious, we don't actually get that much information about it, soul splicing happens. Because Isam doesn't exist anymore. I mean, he does, because his soul is in Luke. But of course, again, in the waking world, in the real world, Luke Apparently he can choose. I just, like, I'm like, I was sitting there, I was looking for something else, and I saw he can appear in both forms in the world of flesh. Jesus, what? This, This dude has, like, innate mask of mirrors, but it's just two different forms. Jesus, okay. Which yeah, is also something insane. I didn't know. I, I feel like we've probably seen him physically in both different iterations or each different iteration. But yeah, apparently I'm that's guessing. one of his one of his many abilities. Um because oh ultimately, like I I get guitar ascending to grain to the waste. Like I feel huh? like at least some degree of that was pushing to grain there because of the prophecy for the birth of the dragon, right? But yeah. I don't, uh, and I, we might get to it as we keep going through, I don't see anything that would rationalize other than keeping him from going after to grain and therefore interrupting her destiny to give birth to the dragon reborn. Mm-hmm. That could very well be it. The yeah. Katara was like, we're sacrificing Luke's ass because why not? His name's Luke. Wasn't really that great of a character in Star Wars. I'm so glad Josh is in here right now. <laughs> He's gonna hear that back and be like that motherfucker. 
Oh, Josh um, just screamed out in pain from the oh, middle yeah. of a cruise ship. So uh, yeah, he's like Yoda during Order sixty six. Oh right. Oh. oh, I felt a great disturbance in the force. Um, so interestingly, there's actually so I just read ahead, which is great. Uh, I I love watch.fandom.com. If you are not, if you have any questions about characters or events in the Wheel of Time, go check that out. Also, go check out the Great Blight. Um, I have not read their entry on Lord Luke slash Slayer slash Isam, uh, but I bet it's pretty good. But this right here uh, says that uh, as Luke, he is spotted by Egwene, Elaine, and Nynaeve while spying on them in Teleran Riyadh. Uh, and yet, um, as Isam... He kills the Black Aja sisters Amiko and Joya Bayir, who were being held in the Stone of Tear. And so again, I feel like that's part of the reason that we don't recognize who he is, because he's, as you said, and as the the article says, Slayer has the ability to be each one, either Isam or Luke, in the flesh, in the waking world whenever he wants to be and so again he's doing this mask of mirrors thing so that he cannot be recognized by people that he's running into so knowing that he's unlikely to be uh recognized as isam he goes into the stone of tear and kills black sisters but then in the two rivers he appears to Perrin as lord luke so again he's doing this like dual soul dual flesh thing so in that case well apparently my original thing of like isam's soul goes into luke's body that's not even true it really is not just a meshing of souls it is a a splicing of both soul and body well it's like a cohabitation because another part of uh of his abilities is that it seems that both luke and isam's personalities survived intact correct and that it turns out that Luke either was or was made uh, just as evil as Esam grew up to be. Sure. Um, and that it seems like the personalities get along with each other very well. I mean, this is wow. like Moon Knight with inherently collaborative personalities, and they're only being two. Yeah. Honestly, so that's all I, I feel all like I that actually adds a little bit more to Guitar Moroso. Because if yeah. Luke was actually already showing signs of being a really big piece of shit, it doesn't just help her uh, prophecy for Tigraine being the mother of the dragon reborn and getting Luke out of the way to not go after Tigraine. It also means that she's not putting Tigraine in danger by having Luke follow her when he is already torturing animals or you know doing all of the other things that are signs of being pretty messed up because as it says you are completely correct that it seems that both luke and isam's personalities have survived in tech and that luke is just as evil as isam in fact they seem to get along with each other <laughs> oh so yeah uh, let's see what's some of this other shit that he does because uh, we already talked about he has the ability to enter the Tower of Genji for some reason. Right. We don't exactly know what that's all about. I'd love to know more about that for sure. Um, but 
so he first meets a parent chases him because Slayer just killed a wolf in the wolf dream. Uh, and of course, the wolves are uh, in the wolf dream are the ones that gave him the name Slayer because right. your boy would see a wolf and it was on site every time. Uh, yep. And that was his thing. He just ran around Teleron Riyadh killing the ghost of wolves. Yeah. Or the soul also, of wolves. Also, just thrown out there, just before we get into that part, because this is part of the, the previous thing, I think it's actually really sad. I didn't catch this in the actual uh, reread, but it is said that Janduin, Tigraine's waste husband... Tigraine's Aiel oh. husband, uh, who is the father of Rand. This waste, her waste husband thing. Uh, it's her do. husband from the away. waste. I, I know what you mean, but... I know. But yeah, her funny. Aiel husband, who is the father of Rand, could not forgive himself after she was killed during the Aiel Wars. Um, And that he went up into the Blight and was killed by someone who looked like Tigraine... And so the prevailing theory there is that it was Luke as Slayer having already been sort of intermingled with Goran that killed family side in these books. It's very sad. Flag for a minute there. Um, it did technically say it was me, or at uh, least mine uh, warned me that my connection was unstable. So maybe uh, my phone's just not doing a great job right now. <laughs> who knows? Uh, but I could definitely see like Isom and Luke kind of talking as they're walking around, and Isom being like, So, buddy, kind of want to tell me what that was about why you just wanted to <laughs> kill an Aiel. And Luke is just like, just murk a goddamn he, fu- <laughs> he fucked my mom, bro. He sister. Sister, sister. He fucked my sister. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I can only think have of the ever... mom, not sister. Isam, Isam, have you ever wanted to kill wanted to kill your brother-in-law? Because that's what I just goddamn did. <laughs> so anyway, uh Uncle Luke here. Uncle yes, Luke. There we which go. might actually help me remember that he's not the fucking uh, well, that's another thing that wat.fandom.com says uh which is uh which makes a lot of sense because the the character of slayer and the character of rand are actually pretty removed from each other again slayer is almost exclusively a parent storyline which is totally fine and it, it actually makes parent storyline kind of cool because he's the only one who can stop slayer in a lot of ways. Maybe not the only one, because again, he's in Teleranriad, and there are a couple of other people who are pretty masterful in Teleranriad. But Perrin... <laughs> Just the wise ones sitting there being masters of the world of dreams, watching this go on and be like, not our problem. Well, and Egwene, for example, is also pretty masterful in, oh, in Teleranriad. I could see Egwene yes. just being like, yeah, yeah. no... <laughs> <laughs> just the wise ones sitting there being like watching this game of cat and mouse back and forth, and they're like, "Why don't? Why does a parent just will his heart to stop?" Like, I feel like that's definitely something you could do if you were skilled enough in, uh, in the world of dreams. But it's probably yeah. just as broken as like power word kill. 
So well, it also is interesting because again, given how much Slayer seems to have mastery over Teller and Riyadh, I don't know if that would work on him. Because again, I wonder where he learned it a week I Sedai, not that hard. Shielding a strong, knowledgeable I Sedai real hard. So again, like it's almost like trying to shield an Aes Sedai who knows what they're doing and already has hold of the source. So like all, all this brings up a question of like the, the nature of the merging of, mm-hmm. of Luke and Isom. I mean, if oh, of course. Luke is the one that ran into Esau, sure, then it had to happen in or around the town. Probably. So there's going to, and since they're both evil, like, I wonder if Luke really wasn't that evil. He was just like bitter because he got sent away or was encouraged to leave the court, his court side. Um, especially if he learns about like the fate of his, of his mother and his sister. Um, see, I got it right that time. Ah, look at that. I'm learning. Um, and it just gives him that vulnerability uh, emotionally and mentally that allows the, the seeds of Shao Gul to actually take hold. Because, I mean, I wouldn't think, unless he was inherently kind of, like, shitty from birth, I don't see what would make somebody that's used to the royal palace of Camelon show up to the town and be like, yeah, yeah, this is better. Like, well, it is It is also telling in some ways. There, there are two things that I would say about that that, are that I'm noticing right away from sort of the just general uh, background of the question. Luke has, or Slayer at this point, the after merging, has basically free reign to go ahead and do what he wants. Um, And he doesn't return to the palace, seemingly. Uh, And I think that that's kind of telling of if he's used to the palace and he is actually more Luke than Isam, or if Luke was not really that evil, but he just gets influenced by Isam or by the blight or by the town, whatever you want to call it. I feel like he goes back to Andor back to Camelin and is pretty unhappy with this situation there. And Morghese doesn't make it through you know Esam the slayer just uses Esam's hunter abilities to take out the new royal family in Camelin and put himself and his family back in um but he does seem to stay in the blight like he seems to as you said earlier make his headquarters there he basically sets out from being in the town and so I don't know whether it's the blight does something to him or whether he was already this way or whether it just needs a foothold or whether Esam is just that bad. Any of these are possibilities and any combination of these is deadly, Uh, but it does seem like like Luke becomes Luke gets lost. I mean, like he's still Luke. I'm not saying that the entirety of Luke gets lost, but any, any royalness and desire to go back to Camelin and take up his rightful place as the first prince of the sword or anything like that seems to get lost 
in or around the merging, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, so we might get some insight from uh, Brigitte, because uh, Brigitte talks about him, about Slayer being a new occurrence, but perhaps mm-hmm. an old evil. Yes. Um, so there seems to be like that, that kind of vague sense of familiarity, like, I've seen this somewhere before, I think, but I can't quite remember what. But either way, this is a whole new version of whatever that was. Um, but we know at some point there has to be uh, an influence or an involvement of the shadow uh, with Slayer, some control, because we do see that he winds up being under the control of Morden, uh, because he, Morden eventually grants Grendel the service of the one with two souls. Um, in order to kill parent, um, yes. and this this very nearly succeed. Uh, which, by the way, uh, I know we didn't talk about it, and it would be a miss to not, since this is very much a parent storyline. Parent thinks Luke is odd from the start. He's just like, oh, ah, there's something about you that's kind of off and smells familiar, but I can't quite figure it. Like he he picks up like this is the one time that people pick up on the subtle details that most fantasy just has them not notice because it would be bad for the plot. But Perrin's like, this guy just walked up to me and recognized me and knew my name, and but we've never met. Like, that's fucking weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's several things that kind of happen like that. And the big tell is uh, Perrin and Slayer fight. Perrin comes out on top-ish. I mean, he is. He does come out the less or not injured party. Yes. Um, I think he's just less injured. Um, but notices that the same way that he injured Slayer, Luke is walking around injured, and he's like, ah, you fucker. Yeah. Um, and he knows just enough about the World of Dreams at this point to sit there and be like, okay, there's some fucky-wucky happening, even though that difference in appearance uh, we now know is not purely because of the World of Dreams. Um, but uh, by the time Perrin and Slayer really face off again, um, after Slayer is now under the direction of Grendel, um yes. Slayer pulls up with a dream spike. And this is uh, I believe the first time we really see the effectiveness and use uh, usability of a dream spike. Um and we notice this because there's Ashaman at this point traveling with Perrin and his uh force from the two rivers yes. and the um I think they have do they have Saldanians with them at this point? Yes, they do. And some uh, Mayanians because uh, what's her face? Mm-hmm. Uh, big titties. That one, yeah. Um, is traveling Jesus along God. with him. I really <laughs> blanked on Bear Lane. Um, <laughs> that's the first thing that comes to mind when I think Bear Lane. Just fucking massive honking bazongas. Yeah, Mia Calivia. No. Yeah, or <laughs> Calivia. Jesus Christ. Oh, that poor woman. That poor woman. Anyway, um, that was uh, our podcast like for Barrelane, right? Uh, I mean, it's definitely mine. I could see it, you know, if it wasn't for all the, the anyway. Um, yeah, we'll not go into that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, so the Ashwa start talking about how, like, I I don't know. It just it don't work. Like, yeah, I have gateway dysfunction. I don't know what's going on. Um, and eventually, uh. Uh, well, Perrin goes through quite a lot here because it's like this is roughly the same time that Slayer attacks and kills the Wolf Morning Light, uh, which Perrin mm-hmm. sees and experiences and throws him into a rage. Um, 
and Perrin just gets swept aside. Like Slayer's like, huh, and just bitch slaps him away. Um, and Perrin barely uh, survives. But um, it teaches him, which again oh, is yeah. the thing, is that this is one of those moments where I love the trope when it comes right down to it, but it's a good trope and it's one that makes sense and matters, which is the idea that the good guys learn and the bad guys ego. Because in the world of dreams, Perrin gets spanked right now. He gets, I mean, A, it's partially because he's in a rage, but it's also just because Slayer knows more than he does. And he just bats Perrin aside. But again, it's one of those moments where Slayer is the best person in the room. And conventional wisdom says that if you're the best person in the room, go to another room and learn new things. Perrin is not the best person in the room and he's learning things from Slayer. When he gets batted aside, he immediately goes... There's things I didn't know, and I can make myself a lot better in Teleran Riyadh by learning those things that I just got schooled on. And when he comes back into Teleran Riyadh to confront Slayer a second time, he does not make the same mistakes. He absolutely learns from the experience and changes tactics by weight. Well, it's, well, it's still hard because um he comes back in and of course the dream spike's still there i think Correct. by this time Perrin is like seen enough at the sit there be like i've never seen that before uh yeah. that showed up about the same time <laughs> that's probably the problem uh so he yes. goes back in um and we find out that the dream spike in teleron riyadh doesn't just like in the world it, it prevents channeling and tr- quick traveling or using gateways in and out of the area when it's set up in teleron riyadh yes in teleron riyadh it prevents movement out of the dome so basically what what slayer has done is he set it up where there's a high concentration of wolf spirits in the wolf dream and he's just killing them he's just running around killing the wolves Uh, because he still has free movement because he as the kind of owner of the dream spike can move in and out of the dome with at will yes um perrin shows up with uh his own kind of pack uh including sparks whisperer and hopper uh sparks gets injured and spoiler not for the last time uh whisperer gets killed and hopper jumps on slayer to give Perrin a chance to escape with uh, sparks later on uh after uh, they've been given a chance to kind of heal up or whatever uh mm-hmm. Perrin comes back confronts slayer again they begin to fight again the wolves are now using tactics they're flanking slayer uh slayer oh, this kills. is a great scene i love uh, this this return to Teleran riyadh uh slayer kills oak dancer injures sparks again um so sparks kudos for surviving but that's that's still bad luck bro um well he will i think he actually goes back into Teleran riyadh injured like he's so. but he still gets injured I mean, again like, yeah yeah but he's also working with a handicap so like sparks i mean as you, you have said, my respect, but also like, bro, set this one out. Like, yeah. Um, but this is when we start to see really how much of a force of will, literally will, 
mm-hmm. that Perrin has become in Teleron Rod because he this does his best Green, Green Lantern, Lantern imp- impersonation. Yes. Yes. I love it. Um, without the CGI suit, um, it just starts nullifying everything that Slayer's doing with willpower. And Slayer's like, yeah. huh. Oh, shit. That's not good. <laughs> Fucks off. Yeah. Um, and then Perrin finally finds uh, the Dream Spike and takes off towards Tarvalon with it. Slayer's chasing him. They two begin fighting uh, over each other and Hopper trying to help Perrin as he has from the start uh, before the Wolf Dream and definitely at, in the Wolf Dream uh, winds up being wounded. Uh, Perrin goes into an absolute other fit of rage uh, and knocks Slayer into a nightmare. Like He literally banished him to the Shadow Realm for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um stabs him in the stomach and then destroys the dream spike by throwing it into lava um and of course you know comes back and we have this this uh one of the saddest moments of the series uh where Farron comes back to hopper who we find out has now actually been he's been he was mortally wounded yes um and you know hopper's like pretty honestly like hopper's like pretty chill about it he's just like you know it is what it is young bull like well um it's interesting because one of the things that I noticed on a, a reread, maybe my like third or fourth, definitely not the first time I read it and definitely not even the first time I reread this series, but I really feel like when it comes right down to it, the wolves and the Aiel both have a very sort of blasé view about death because especially in the waking world, wolves don't care about death at all. Because then they go to the wolf dream and they basically get spun back out or, you know, whatever actually well, happens fly. to them. Well, yeah, no. Well, we can like, fly in the wolf dream. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so they're in the wolf dream and that actually seems like almost a, a promotion in some ways uh, to go from the waking world to the wolf dream because you have lots of abilities that you did not have in the waking world and whatnot as a wolf in, as just a soul. But even when they die in the wolf dream, like Perrin is livid. The first time he sees that uh, wolves are dying in the wolf dream and Hopper sort of tells him what's going on, Hopper even at that point seems kind of blasé about it. Because again, I feel like Hopper and the rest of the wolves have this very ideal, like not really like nihilistic, but like also not nearly as like, humans view life so sacred the wolves just kind of view death as part of life uh like hopper just comes to him and he's like yeah wolves are dying i'm not gonna say it's a good thing certainly but like wolves die in the wolf dream and parents like we need to stop this and like hopper's like i mean it'd be nice hopper's just like you're here too strong young bull Right. Well, and Hopper is like, I mean, we don't like Slayer and the fact that he's here. I agree with that. But also, like, don't don't do anything about this. Like, this is Slayer, not your you're kind of fucking up my afterlife, bro. Could you right. not? <laughs> but like at the same time, he's definitely like, Perrin, this isn't your job. Like, you're here too strong. You have things to learn. Go home. We'll deal with this. Yeah. Death is a part of life. And then at the end, like Hopper gets mortally wounded by Slayer. And he's basically standing there just being like, Young Bull, I died twice 
you'll die. We all die. It is what it is. Do what you can while you're alive. And you're just like, Jesus Christ, Wolf. Like, <laughs> well, one of the things I find interesting too about this, this whole scene is when Hopper is talking to Baron, uh, and of course, we know it's not like verbal talking. We, we yeah, of course, we know that. Um, out of all the wolves that Perrin has met, both in the world of dreams and in the waking world, Hopper, who at this point basically is the Gandalf of wolves, directs him to one wolf in particular, Boundless. And I'm sure you remember who Boundless was when we first met Boundless. Yeah. This was no. This was the human that was too far gone, that was lost, that was a hopeless case that that Perrin released so that he could roam the wilds because he was fully over into the wolf side of being a wolf brother. And like now it's literally sitting here, like Boundless is like tapped as the number two to mentor (laughs) Perrin in the remainder of his time uh, in the wolf green. Uh, which I, that's that's got to be really cool. I mean, I love that part of the series. Like yeah. that's really cool. That's that is a redemption arc that we didn't know we needed, but we needed. Um, so that's really honestly, cool. again, I I don't know how much of it was actually in uh, Robert Jordan's notes. How much of it Brandon Sanderson put together? How many callbacks were actually, you know, planned versus uh, fan? service but like in the positive way not the negative way uh but again just major kudos to whoever put that together all of you know a lot of it to brandon sanderson because he's the one who wrote it in the book period um but again depending on how much of it was notes versus brandon versus whatever probably also major kudos to to robert jordan as well um because this is this is one of those moments where it really feels like the the story that happened that particular storyline with uh with that wolf brother was was a nice addition at the time that it happened in the story for Perrin's arc but the fact that it gets brought back around all the way at the end of the story is just, as you said, sort of like you know, icing on the cake, just the redemption story that we didn't know we needed, like all of that good stuff. And this is I mean, who doesn't love seeing a story, uh, a storyline that you didn't even know was a storyline when it was introduced, like wrapped up at the end. Yes. And I know that it's was one a of lot the of things like... that I love when it happens in D&D, when it happens in movies, when it happens in books. Yeah, it's I'm a huge fan. Yeah. And that's one of the things that uh, I know, like Brandon and Maria and Harriet and Alan and from Team Jordan um, and, and obviously Brandon from Dragonsteel slash Team Jordan. <laughs> um, uh, I've talked about is that um Powers of Midnight and A Memory of Light were very important in wrapping up storylines. And it's a big reason why instead of having one final book, there had to be uh, three final books. Yep. The final book was you know, split into three. It was just um, too much to put into a single book. But speaking of final, let's move into yes. the kind of final hurrah for, uh, for Slayer. Um, yes. 
So after being stabbed in the stomach by uh, Perrin, uh, putting him at an obvious disadvantage for combat, uh, Slayer, who is uh, in the form of Isom, as he predominantly is in the waking world, mm-hmm. uh, is approached by a woman who he's like, oh, this is just a- an unrevealed member of the Chosen. Uh, and it's not. I mean, it kind of is, but it really isn't. It's Sindane, which is the reborn Landfear. Correct. It's Landfear minus the pretty and added the ugly stick. Um, mm. That was her punishment. That was Hesalam's punishment. Sindane is actually oh, right. okay. But yeah, Hesalam is the is the ugly Grendel. Sindane's not oh, you're right. You're right, you're right. ugly, but she's not as pretty as Landfear is. So, like, you're not wrong. It's just not... Hesalam is like specifically old dung for ugly. Yeah, right. That's that's definitely what I was thinking of. Yes. Sindane just literally translates from the old tongue into common uh, as last chant. Yep. Um, that is correct. Which, given the the recent revelation uh, revealing about land fears, uh, yeah. all the more fitting. Uh, but anyway, at this point, she comes in and looks at Slay and is like, "Look, you know the." The, the the main good guy like we, we know he just got stabbed in the stomach by like one of his friends um but we're gonna need you to go kill the main good guy like mm-hmm. just direct efficient straight assassin mission like you can have and it, uh, gave him the use of two uh samana say uh, which of course are those io male channelers uh, that have been turned to the shadow um and several guards i guess just fucking miscellaneous guards whoever the hell they are probably just dark friends um if necessary. Uh, and Slayer's like, cool, I got this. I've been shooting people in the back my whole fucking life. And shows up to shoot Rand in the back with an arrow while he's fighting Moradin in Shao Ghul. And Perrin just kind of shows up and just Kung Fu Panda blink, swats the arrow away. Oh, yeah. Uh at which point, uh, Slayer swiftly goes, oh shit, and runs away to the Samanase. Um, and Perrin, who has Gaul with him, uh, are able to follow them in and engage in battle, I believe, in the waking world. That is... Uh, no, yeah. Is it? No. They're no, actually... It's in Teleron Rion. Yeah. Yeah, which is one of the uh... reasons that Nynaeve, Moraine, and Rand don't actually notice yeah uh, you're right because slayer, it's later because, that slayer oh, yeah sorry. because in shale ghoul just at the boar and everything like that the the border between reality and all of these other dimensions effectively is just so strained that slayer can be there and if he like rand and nynaeve and moraine are in teleran riad sort of because it's just Shale Ghoul. And so Slayer can get to them, even though normally he wouldn't be able to from Dalaran Riyadh. But since Shale Ghoul is just such a weird place, that's why he can show up in Dalaran Riyadh, try to kill Rand, and then Perrin can show up in Dalaran Riyadh, deflect the bolt, and no one knows that this happened except for the people in Dalaran didn't Rand, like, in one of Rand's POVs, when we go back to his kind of POV as he's fighting Morden, like, isn't there a reference to them, like, hearing a noise or him feeling like the Perrin was, or something like that, some reference to it? That is correct. Because yes. the border is so strained? Yes, because the border is so strained. Um. So, anyway, 
Yes. So they're still in Teleran Riyadh now when they go back to the Samansei. And Gaul engages them in combat. Perrin is also engaging them in combat, technically, but he's basically making a beeline for Slayer. Um, Who at this point has realized that Perrin is there in the flesh, which being in Teleran Riyadh in the flesh is a massive deal. It takes a great deal of, of skill and power. And is also, you know, a, a really big no-no Extremely for dangerous, most people. Yeah. Um, so they, they fight each other, and Perrin's like, I'm going to hit you in the face of my hammer. And Slayer's like, I'm going to shift away because I'm ready for this. But it, we finally see a reversal of the cat and mouse game, where Slayer had always been the hunter and, and Perrin the prey. Perrin is now very much the hunter, and Slayer is the hunted. Um. And now at this point, Perrin has figured out how to just direct shift from reality to a fucking dream dimension. Yep. Like, bruh. Like, oh, yeah. one second I'm in reality, the next second, just, bloop, I'm not. Well, and this is one of the moments where I absolutely love the um, the Mahalanir storyline. Because one of the things that I've always seen is in Norse legend Mjolnir is actually the tool where Thor holds all his power effectively. Now granted again the storyline in Thor Ragnarok where he realizes that it's just him and he doesn't need Mjolnir. Totally legit. That's absolutely Norse mythology. Thor is just dope regardless of his hammer. Mjolnir is just a conduit with which he focuses that power like the Aes Sedai and their hand gestures don't really need them they just facilitate the power exactly Uh, but again in the wheel of time it's one of those things where Aaron defines himself very akin to Thor by the weapon slash tool slash whatever you want to call it that he is carrying. And so now that he has thrown away his axe... I just put Stormbreaker together. (laughs) I I literally just put that together, I think. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, buddy. Sorry, continue. It's all good. Uh, But yeah, so now that he has cast aside the axe and forged Mahalanir... It definitely feels like he has leveled up on so many different tiers. Um, Because it, it feels like having the hammer gives Perrin the confidence that he needs to do things that are really oh, in yeah. his Taviran nature rather than necessarily being so against them because again it's the ultimate safety blanket yes because from the beginning he has been i can't really use this axe i can't really be a wolf brother i can't really do this i can't really do that i can't fully commit to all of these things that i'm being like advantages that i'm being given because i'm just feeling like i'm going to lose myself in them and I feel like when he helps forge Mahalanir 
with the other Ashaman, it is a shedding of a lot of that fear. It's the shedding of a lot of that, like, resistance to a lot of the things that he has been being pushed towards by being Taviran and having all of these advantages and being, again, as frustrating as he is, a dope character in the storyline. And this is actually particular poignant, particularly poignant based on the secret or the reveal that Brandon Sanderson made the other day. I've actually gone ahead and heard a lot of backlash about this particular thing that that Brandon said, which for those of you who don't know, one well, of Perrin's last... Okay, yeah, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, I had a thought. So, mm-hmm. parents... What has been parents' biggest struggle other than the, the fight with violence or nonviolence? Except Throughout the entire series. Well, it's, it's been grounding himself in reality. Yeah. You know, that this is reality of the world. You know, is this something I really have to do? Is this a decision yes. I really have to make? Mm-hmm. You know, how do I balance wolf, my wolfness with my human self? And then whenever it comes to the wolf dream, you know, this constant, this constant now like almost memeable thing from Hopper. You're here too strongly, young wolf. Yeah. And it's Hopper reminding him like you, like you are real. You still exist in the real world. You need to ground yourself in reality. And at the point where he has Ma Alanir, Ma Alanir, I don't know why I just said the name twice. It's a good name, I guess. It's a um, great name. Yeah. He, uh, which is definitely the name, like abundantly inspired by um, by Hopper's death. Um, I think, doesn't it mean like soaring wolf or, or something like that? Um, he, who so- he who soars. Yes. Close. Uh, so I was pretty close. Um, and it's so like it is very much in part an homage to Hopper, who taught him how to survive the wolf dream. Mm-hmm. At the point that Perrin makes Maalanir, and I believe one of the core functions of Maalanir is it serves as an anchor point in a way to for him to physically, mental, like uh, like a fidget toy that helps you keep focus. For him, it grounds him to reality. Um, yep. And I think ultimately, by the end of the series, uh, we see a Perrin that. Doesn't need Ma'alanir to ground sure. himself to reality. And I think that's displayed in his ability. Like, like literally, like who else? Now the Slayer's gone. Who else other than Ren can just shift into an alternate dimension with pure willpower? Which only serves no to one. further my way old point. Maybe Teleron Riyadh is just a training ground for how people are actually supposed to influence the world around them in the waking world. I will stand by it. That if you're good enough in Teleron Riyadh, you can just do it in the waking world. That Perrin has access to the same power that Rand does now. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I, oh, I like God. that headcanon. Um, yeah. and I'm but anyway, I'm like it. It, he grounds himself. That's that's yes. what Molinier does. That is a physical kind of fidget toy. Yes. Oh, uh, which is like the worst description for Molinier ever. Mm. Um the helping ground to reality. I don't know but if it yes. is actually the worst. I I think it might not be as the comfort blanket meets fidget toy. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm I don't know if it sort of gives the gravitas to Mahalanir, but it's definitely not a bad example. Again, if anybody out there has ADHD or any other things, like fidget toys are huge. 
they actually I, really I, fid- I fidget all the time like it's literally my right, exactly what I do, yeah like halfway through the episode i'm like just yeah opening and closing it because it's made and of so wood again, and it kind of squeaks as much as it, it almost feels like especially given the like you know advent of fidget spinners being like a tiktok thing and gross and like do whatever like again the reason that they were made is still very legit and it it functions well for the people who actually need it uh but probably banned them from like every school from the kids that actually could benefit anyway (laughs) exactly you were saying about the the revelation of of uh parent and another character yes so uh recently as many of you i'm sure heard uh, Brandon Sanderson came out and revealed something from the books. If you don't like it, it's not part of your headcanon. That's fine. This was the the big ten year secret, the one yes, that couldn't be revealed until secret. the ten year anniversary of Memory of Light release. Exactly. Uh, so Brandon Sanderson revealed that, in fact, sort of somewhat against what most people felt was happening in Teleran Riyadh at the end of A Memory of Light where Perrin actually snaps Lanfear or Sindane's neck in Teleran Riyadh uh, that Lanfear was actually able to influence Perrin via compulsion and make him only think that he had killed her and that she is actually alive at the end of the story rather than having been killed by Perrin. And I want to just throw out there again, if you think this is BS, whether you believe that as bullshit or Brandon Sanderson, that's fine. You don't need to see this in the story. It is not something that is gospel. Uh, It is absolutely something that Brandon Sanderson sort of intended to write in the story, according to him, but there is evidence to say that that's not true. If you like this reveal, dope. It's your new headcanon. It can now be that, like, you're still scared of Sindane uh, in some ways of, like, what she could do in the future. All of this is totally fine. All of this is great. I actually have a little bit of a bone to pick with fans about this because i heard a lot of things on reddit and a lot of things on twitter and whatnot about the problem with this reveal being that it undoes something that parent accomplished at the end of the the books and again i'm not saying that it's completely wrong it does kind of undo something that he did But I want to mention it in this episode, because I know this is not a parent episode, but this is a Slayer episode. And if the last thing that Perrin does is defeat Slayer, if the last thing in the books that that Perrin does is to defeat Isam and Luke Mantir, that's already good enough. This is a character that has been the bane of... Teleranriad users and people in the waking world since the very beginning of the book series. 
This is a person who is extremely powerful. This is a person who uses Teleran Riyad like their personal playground. And the fact that Perrin is able to come from the eye of the world into the Shadow Reborn, or the Shadow Rising, Jesus, not the Shadow Reborn. The Shadow Rising. <laughs> I was very confused for a second. To a memory of light and take out his biggest rival one of the people who he has learned the most from and also bested i'm not saying that taking land fear from him isn't a isn't a removal of an accomplishment i'm not saying that i get that it is but slayer to me is enough it is the culmination of so many books of foundation and events. And sort of my final thoughts on this is I I think that this the character of Slayer is super interesting and super awesome in a lot of ways, partially because it gives more credence to Pot and Fame. It is a foil to Perrin the entire time very akin to the way that Pot on Fane is a foil to uh to Matt early on and a foil to Rand sort of later. But it's one of the coolest things that again, you have a number of examples in the story of people being fused with other people, whether that be soul, whether that be body, whether that be both, all of this different stuff. And you have this character of Pot on Fane who is this conglomeration of a bunch of stuff. You have this character of, of Slayer that is a conglomeration of a number of things. And then, of course, at the end of the story, you have this uh, character of, or these two characters of Rand and Moradin who switch their bodies and abilities. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. This is my fire alarm. <laughs> okay, I was like, I'm not just crazy hearing like some dog whistle or something in the back <laughs> no it's happening uh but again i oh God, love it's happening all right i love the consistency of the story again whether that be brandon sanderson whether that be robert jordan or some combination of the two or all of team jordan or whatever i love the consistency of really putting that into the story and not just having this one-off of Pot on Fane or having this one-off of Lord Luke or having this one-off of, you know, Rand and Moradin doing this body-soul switch, there's so much foundation in the story from early on to really suggest that this is a thing that happens. This is a thing where magic is mysterious, where the rules of... Teleran Riyad, the rules of channeling, the rules of the Dark One, the rules of all of this are explained to a certain extent, but they're all still very mysterious. You can have plenty of mystery in the story without needing Lanfear dying at the end, without needing to know every law of channeling, without needing, you know, all of these things set in stone and having all your questions answered. There is so much in the world of the Wheel of Time that is up to your interpretation. There's so much in the Wheel of world, the World of Time that is up to 
the decisions that you make in your own canon. And Lord Luke is one of the those through lines that from an early stage, he is an enigma wrapped in a puzzle, wrapped in a mystery. And you never fully get answers as to Fane and Slayer and a bunch of different things. So even though you get closure with it, Slayer dies by by the end of the <laughs> the, the irony story. of saying dies as the poster dies. <laughs> my my house is apparently a mess right now. But um, but the Maybe. fact that again you have that closure of Slayer dying, but also does he? Like again, even on what fandom.com, it says uh, he takes a blow to the head from Heron's hammer, Mahalanir. Slayer was killed while in the form of Isam, but it can be presumed that because of their link, Luke dies too. And it? I mean, like, again, there's so much mystery here that, again, if you decide to take that presumably Lord Luke dies as well, awesome. That's great. That's awesome for you. I'm 100% for it. I actually also have that headcanon in this particular case. I do. But at the same time, there is so much evidence to say who fucking knows. And that's one of the things that I love about this series. That's one of the things that I love about the character of Slayer. That's one of the things that I love about all of this mystery that is just baked into the world, into the characters, and into magic. And so Slayer is a great character. I absolutely love that we did an episode on Slayer. I'm sad that Josh didn't get to do it with us because I'm sure he would have had a lot to say, but there you go. Slayer's dope. I'm glad he's dead because he's a mess, but like at the same time, he's a great character and I love that he was added into the story. There you go. Long last thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're fine. Um... So I know uh, I put it in our, our super secret top secret chat where we plot things away from the fandom and keep all of our secret because we're assholes. Um, but I definitely <laughs> want to do, we need to work in an episode to talk about uh, the memory of light uh, secret about the, the whole Landfair thing. Agreed. I love it because uh, and this is going to be a very quick point. Um, yes, Morshadi, we are very lame. No one is ever <laughs> here. That is our shtick. <laughs> That we keep talking despite the fact that everybody keeps saying stop listening, stop talking. <laughs> anyway, um, I I love the thing about Lanfear because uh to me it, it fleshes out part of her story, um, mm-hmm. or it rounds out part of her arc. Um, yes. this uh caught in a bad place, trying to do a good thing, forced to the shadow, and now she comes around into a place where she can go back to having agency and having her own decision and potentially redeem herself. Um, who knows? Which I, Again, I would like to hope is the mystery. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, like, we finally get to see, like, she's this fabled master um, of Teleron Riyadh, and everybody's always like, "Well, why?" And I think <laughs> the only real example we get is here at the end with yeah. what she does with Perrin. And I think that she is a master of Teleron Riyadh, not because she can do all these really cool tricks, which I, I'm sure she can, but she doesn't advertise. Like Mo Gideon does, like Slayer does, like mm-hmm. Egwene does, like the wise ones do. She just is there. And it's the, the I, I am such a sucker for the subtlety of making changes very subtly 
and over time so that people think that they're perceiving a reality that is wholly different than what's happening. Um, I love it. I'm also a Naruto nerd, and I think that's how genjutsu or illusions uh, work and work best. So uh, there's that. Um, but anyway, to the actual topic that you missed the entire discussion on, we could have used you like six times more shoddy because you would have been calling <laughs> us out all over the place. Um, but fact checker Mahel was checked out for the night, you know, something about like having a life to live or something like that, I guess. Something lame. Um, I, I really do love the character of Slayer. I Slayer very much comes out to me as a, as an amalgamation of characters that wind up being evil for evil's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, there's never really actually a, a motive for Slayer. Mm-mm. There's like what he doesn't what does he gain? What does Isam or Luke gain from from killing Perrin? Control over Amon's field, like taking over the two rivers? Like that's a very as much as I love Amon's field, nothing against Amon's field. That's a very subpar goal for a dark. That's so taking small over. Time. Yeah. Yeah. It's like saying you want to pick like a random like hillbilly town in southern Alabama and take it over. <laughs> why? Why? You could yep. you could take like Mobile or something, at least something that people have heard about. But no, you want to take care of like like Bob's ass scratchery or some shit. <laughs> um, I don't know why that's an example. Uh, um, but he's uh, he's evil for the for honestly like the sake of being evil. He hunts wolves for the sake of killing wolves, and presumably we can add motives to it where it's like there's this directive. You know, there's an extermination order signed by the Shadows Department of Natural Resources. Like, wolves are a menace. Exterminate on site. Open season, all season. Um, But he's evil just for the sake of being evil. And it seems like his attention actually only really turns on Perrin. One, once he realizes Perrin is a wolf brother. And mm-hmm. two, because the one place that we've seen him outside of the town in Blight, in the Blight, um, now he's challenging Luke's authority. And yeah. I could see Luke feeling a certain type of way about that in Andor. Mm-hmm. Like, Luke is going to walk back in with that bitch, I'm literally royalty swagger. Um, and, and it doesn't mean shit here. It doesn't mean shit mm-hmm. there. Um, again, I'm a sucker for the evil for the sake of being evil. Like, uh, for the same reason I like horror movies up until the point where they explain why everything's happening. They're terrifying. <laughs> like Insidious. The first Insidious, terrifying. And then they explain why. And then it's a shit movie after then. And everyone after it is a shit movie after that. Don't do that. Like That's what made the first Paranormal Activity so great. Terrifying. You don't know why. Just fucking stop explaining horror movies and people actually shit their pants. Sure. Um, that's what thrillers are but, for. There should be horror movies. There should be thrillers. There should be psychological thrillers. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. But, um, no, I like the story. I, I like Slayer as a character. I think it's, uh, oh, I'll say I like him as a character. It's a very well written character. I think it's a character that's very well used. Um, I like that Slayer forces Perrin uh, to, to fight the hard fights. Like Slayer shows up when Perrin has to really make a really hard decision between violence and nonviolence. When he has to really make a hard choice between am I a wolf or am I human? Um, and ultimately, Slayer's challenges force Perrin to grow uh, to, to a, a height that I'm sure Perrin didn't even see. 
uh, mm-hmm. possible uh, and that Hopper wound up being very proud of. So um, I like it. I like the evil characters um, that are written like this, that where they don't have uh, an obvious goal for themselves, mm-hmm. their their function and their and their their goals serve a, a very tangible purpose uh, in the plot. So I'm going to say I that just... Slayer's a plot character that's really great, and that's it of my very long final thoughts. Well, I just want to throw in there. I I love what you said, and one of the things that I brought up is. Or, or one of the things that I want to bring up based on what you said, sorry, uh, is I I agree completely with the sort of if you leave evil characters' uh, motivations vague enough, like obviously you don't want to leave it with absolutely no form or function at all, but if you leave it mysterious enough, the awesome thing is the reader then gets to put what they want as their motivation into the story. And I actually really love that. Um, but yeah. Two so. bros chilling five feet apart in the same But yeah, I, I always am definitely, as you said, sort of a fan of the give me motivation i don't want to just come up with it all myself but also leave it open enough that i can make it interesting for me because my my motivation for an evil character is not going to be the same as andrews andrews isn't going to be the same as josh's josh's isn't going to be the same as more shoddies and so if you leave it vague enough then we can all put in a motivation that we like Versus just explaining all of the motivation and telling us exactly what we're supposed to think and making it kind of annoying. But speaking of things to tell you exactly what you should think, uh, we're going to tell you that you should think Jordan Con and WatCon are awesome. Uh, yes. You should definitely come to those events. Uh, Jordan Con being, uh, is it the last weekend of April or second to last weekend of April? I'm going to sound awful here and tell you... Second to last weekend. Second to last. Excellent. Jordan Con, 21st through the 23rd of April, 2023. And if you can't make it to Jordan Con, you have another chance in July uh, to come to WatCon, which is going to be the 14th through the 16th of July. Uh, My birthday is on the 15th, so come help me celebrate my birthday in Columbus, Ohio. course jordancon.org for more information on jordancon and to get your tickets there um and if it's still available to book a hotel room with their rate watcon.com to book uh or to buy your memberships for yeah for watcon um and i'm definitely not telling you you should because i'm one of the directors but i definitely am also doing that well i just want to also can we can we high five or cheers uh officially because I don't think we actually officially cheers uh, last week when you told me that you were a lifetime member now. Oh, yeah. Cheers, lifetime member. Tink. Indeed. <laughs> that's the sound glasses make. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, get your membership. Uh, trust me, the VIP stuff is worth it. Um, abundantly. It absolutely is. Um, you get to sit there in person, and while you're trying to eat dinner, everybody stops and cries because uh, Kate Reading and Michael Kramer. 
Redding, sorry, Kate Redding and Michael Kramer uh, read the uh, Does My Husband Ride Alone passage. Yeah. Ridiculous. Oh. I've seen dryer eyes at a funeral. <laughs> that was fucking nuts. <laughs> so nuts. Anyway, uh, if you can make it out, we'd love to see you there. Make sure you come 100%. and say hi. Um, we'll be hanging out. We'll be having some drinks here and there. We'll be going to different panels and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and hanging out so please if you see us don't be ashamed or not ashamed why would you be ashamed yeah. <laughs> don't be worried don't be, don't be nervous come yes. up and talk to us we're we're just nerdy morons that talk to microphones um, correct and we don't even do it for a living so there's that um josh will be back with us soon i think he won't be back for the next episode but he um, should be back in two weeks yeah but he'll be back yeah. for the episode after that all the way back uh, from exploring America's, uh, not America's taint, but the world's taint. Um, I only say yes, that because it's the as far south taint. almost as you can go. The world's taint. Uh, big frozen Indeed. taint. He's looking at penguins. Um, Indeed. So uh, also uh, take and check out our TikTok, Black Tower Pod on TikTok. Um, we try to post uh, the highlights and the funnies from episodes on there. And uh, a certain somebody named the Almond Khan Mahil now lives very, very close to uh, a very extensive uh, rum bar. Correct. Uh, and has been uploading some TikToks on there with his journey. And I uh, I wrestle with my own mind, but I'll probably start trying to do some TikToks talking about different yes. whiskeys as I Thank try you. them. Uh, but since I have to buy the bottles, I can't just go and get samples. Those will be more sparing than the others. That is true. Because um, right now I can tell you about two different two different whiskeys right now. Well, hey, but that is two more than most people can tell you about. So there you go. I'm pretty sure people have heard a lot about Balvini 14 year and Logable <laughs> in 16 years. But anyway, um, that's enough of I think the end of episode promos. Again, the Almond yes. Con, sorry, the Sorbon Mahale will be joining us again in about two weeks. Uh, I have been your Bajan Mahale, Andrew. Uh, I have been your Amon Kanmahail, Daniel, and I just want to throw out one more promo. I know that it's super far away, but please do keep in mind uh, this early because that's how life works. Uh, the Gathering Madness in October of this year should be in Utah, Salt Lake City, Ogden area. Uh, so keep that in mind. We will be prepping for that at some point uh but keep that in mind because again travel and whatnot is a big deal it absolutely is um so there you go and also i do want to throw out again if you are in either the west coast area nearish seattle if you are in the the mountain region nearish salt lake city or in the east coast area near uh havelock north carolina Please shoot us a line. We would absolutely love to, you know, grab a drink with some some people who listen to the show uh, on the podcast or on YouTube or whatever uh, in person. It's one of the things that we actually love. It's one of the reasons that we love JordanCon and WatCon and whatnot, because we get to meet fans of the Wheel of Time in general, and also in some ways fans of the Black Tower podcast. So. If you are one of the many people who lives near adjacent, 
one of those places, please shoot us a line. We'd love to go ahead and see you. We'd love to go ahead and know where you are. Um, not in a weird, like, we want to know where you are way, but like, where are you? Get together, right? Tell us. Where, where are you? Is she? Where is she? Where are the other ones? Rachel? Uh, but yeah, we'd love to go ahead and be able to hang out and things like that. So again, not just because it strokes, strokes our egos and we feel fancy yes. and famous. 100%. Um, which we definitely because... don't feel like fancy, but it does It does kind of make us feel uh, a little famous. Well, I don't like going to JordanCon and meeting seen. people and they're just like, oh yeah, I know who you are. Like, come on. Like, there is a it's little a bit nice of like, feeling. It is. me? You know, yeah. you know, little old me? What? Yes. Agreed. Uh, but let's know. We, we just love hanging out uh, with fans of the little time period. So if you exactly. happen to look close and we can get something together and, and hang out uh, in a public place. Yes. Put that caveat out there. Well, I mean, with <laughs> with discretion to each individual's desires uh, and comfortability. Um, but public place uh, is definitely my preference. And I Indeed. definitely encourage. Um, yes. You're not just going to like come over to the house and hang out one night to play video games. Like that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, maybe eventually. Once we get to, I was going to say, once we get to know you, maybe. But like yeah. probably first time, public place, we're all good. Excellent. But again, after having thrown that out there, if you are one of those people, shoot us a line. We would love to hear from you. If not, that's also entirely acceptable too. I know that there are a handful of listeners from, you know, Canada and other places that don't actually have the chance to go ahead and, and see us on any kind of regular basis. We also love you. You are not lost. You're one of our three listeners from South Korea and you just happen to find yourself <laughs> in like Ogden, Utah. Hit up Josh. I don't know. Exactly. But yeah, again, from all of us here at the Black Tower Podcast, we would love to meet you. We would love to see you. You guys are amazing and you make all of what we do possible. Thank you again from the bottom of our hearts. We like you. We love you and you're fantastic human beings. But again, I have been your Robin Kama Hale Daniel. And from all of us here at the Black Tower Podcast, we hope that you're having an amazing morning, afternoon, whatever it is at the moment. And in case we don't see you again, good afternoon, good evening, and good show. Just fitting in In the tower